Thank you for joining our broadcast today at City Life Church. We would love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. Please take a minute to send us your story at info at citylifechurch.cc. And if God has used this ministry to touch you in any way, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially to help us bring God's word to other people. You can go to citylifechurch.cc to find the giving options that work best for you. Right now we're in a series called Upside Down Christmas. And in this message series, we unpack how Jesus came to invade the ordinary, upside down places of our lives with his message of hope and restoration. Let's head into the auditorium as we lean in and engage today's message. Last week we talked about Jesus being given to a young girl named Mary, how that they were positioned waiting on the Messiah, but they were looking for a king and a kingdom, and what they got was a baby in a barn. And sometimes God shows himself and reveals himself in places and in ways that we are not expecting. He comes to our upside-down situation to turn it right side up and establish his kingdom. And I want to talk to you this morning, wise men worship in an upside-down situation. Wise men worship in an upside-down situation. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 2 today if you have your Bibles. Matthew chapter 2 verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. When he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he acquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him in Bethlehem of Judea, For thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, Together, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. And when they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, and it came and stood over the young child. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We find that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. He was born in a manger given to Mary and Joseph to guide and to raise. Given to a common family in a common town. And we find that when Jesus arrived, and when Jesus was gifted to us, because the Bible says in John chapter 3, verse 16, that God gave his only son to us so that we might have eternal life. He is now residing in a house with this young family, no longer a baby in the manger. Now, I know it messed some of you up because when you bought your nativity set, there was three wise men in it. You can leave them there. That's all right. Because they were in the story, just not with the manger. But we now find that Jesus is probably three to four years old. He's a toddler. 
And these wise men had seen a star when Jesus was born in the east. And the Bible says that as they were watching, because they were a group of magi that had set out for over 400 years to watch the stars and watch the sky and determine through prophecy when Jesus would arrive. Isaiah would give a prophecy and he would tell us that one was coming and he gave this to the people of God in an upside down time. The Assyrians had taken most of the people of God captive. They were uh, destroyed. Their houses were destroyed. Many of them in captivity, others killed. And God speaks through the prophecy get ready there is a coming one and he will be a wonderful counselor he will be a mighty God an everlasting father he will be the prince of peace the problem was it took 800 years for God to fulfill that word now I don't know about you but sometimes I get impatient God speaks on Sunday and by Wednesday if it has not happened God what are you doing the check's not come the answer's not here Deliverance is nowhere to be found. 800 years. For 400 of those years, we find that there is a group of magi that are watching. The problem is for 400 years, God says nothing. For 400 years, they have to live on past prophecy, past words, things that God has already said. And there are seasons of your life where you have to rely on what God said in your yesterday. And you have to wait until he speaks again to get you to your tomorrow. They are waiting. They are watching. Now a star appears and they realize the time had come these three kings they make their way to Jerusalem so that they can tell Herod that they are traveling through his providence and that they can tell him that they are looking for the king the Christ child that was to be born because the prophecies are now being fulfilled the problem is Herod becomes fearful and he's troubled because he's looking for an earthly kingdom thinking he is going to be replaced And the Bible says that these three wise men were on a journey of worship. You see, wise men choose to worship in an upside-down situation. The world was dark. They were worshiping false gods. Many were not even looking for the Messiah at this point. And these three wise men made a choice to worship. They worshiped through years of silence when God said nothing. They worshiped in moments where the world had seemed chaotic and everything was turned upside down. Almost like today where we feel at times like it can't get any worse. We have to make a choice to worship because worship is just that. Is it a choice you and I make? It is a choice. It's not a positioning of a building. It's not a position in a building, but it's a posture of the heart. It's where you make up your mind in a crazy moment of life or even in a blessed moment of life that you are going to worship. Wise men and wise women, they choose to worship even in upside down situation. You see, worship always asks one question and this is the question it must ask. If it does not ask this question, it's truly not worship. The question that is being asked by these and those that were searching for the Christ was this, Where is the king? And that needs to be the question we ask in our worship. Where is the king of glory? Where is the king of glory in this upside down world? Where is the king of glory in our church service or our religious setting? Where is the king of glory in those moments of silence? Where is the king? That was what they were asking. That is what they were in search of. Where is the king? And in this moment of searching, God began to do something. He began to shift their perspective because worship always alters 
our paradigm and our perspective in our journey. Because sometimes in our journey, things do not go the way we plan. We encounter things in the journey like wicked kings and things that are in our journey that would try to bring fear into our life. But worship has a way of coming in and altering our paradigm and our perspective in the journey of life. If we just keep worshiping, God begins to alter our paradigm. Because this is what the Bible said in verse 2. The Bible said they were troubled. But by verse 10, the Bible said there was exceeding great joy. In the first part of our passage, they were troubled and fearful. By the end, the Bible said, great joy and expectation begin to explode in their spirit. Worship has a way of altering your paradigm or your perspective. Not only the way you see God, but the way you see you in your journey. The way you see you and the way God desires to work in you and through you. And how he is working in the things of your life to accomplish his purpose. See, worship has a way of causing those things to shift in your life. Worship refuses to let fear control your journey. Worshipers refuse to allow fear to have the final word. Because the Bible said Herod was fearful. All of Jerusalem was fearful. And even the wise men for a moment became fearful. They were troubled at what was being said because this king had great authority and great power. They were in his providence now. And the Bible said fear began to set it, but worshipers refused to let fear. Why? We've not been given a spirit of fear, but we have been given a spirit of power and of love and of a right mind so that we think the right thoughts, the right time, the right way. They refuse to let fear control the journey. And there are some of you in here today, you have a heart of worship, but you're letting fear control your journey. You're letting fear control your moment. You're letting fear isolate you from the things that God has for you. But worship refuses to let fear control what God wants to do in your life. Why? Because worshipers and people of worship, that they understand this, that they live and they, they, they move by the grip of the prophetic. You see, worship always ushers in the presence of the prophetic. Worship always invites the presence of the prophetic into our life where we say, Lord, I know where I've been, but what are you saying? What are you doing? Worshipers get right to the edge of the unknown and say, God, what are you saying about my tomorrow? What are you saying in this upside down world? True worshipers, they live in the grip of the prophetic. When they get to one season, they begin to look to the next season. And when they get to the next season, they begin to look for the next season. And because they're moving from glory Glory to glory from season to season. Now, if you're caught in a season right now and you don't know what God's saying, the best thing you can do is rise up and say, where is the king? Because when the king arrives, his word arrives. When the king is present, his word. Come on, put your hands together for the king of glory. Worshippers live in the grip of the prophetic. They're moving. Worship also attracts unexpected supernatural opportunities. Who I didn't see that coming. I didn't see God doing that. I didn't know that was going to happen. I was just in worship and bam, it hit me. The supernatural is drawn to worship like a magnet. It causes the promises of God just to be pulled into your life. 
It pulls things in from your tomorrow. It pulls in words that were spoken in your yesterday. And it causes like a magnet the supernatural opportunities of the kingdom to be drawn to you. Worship attracts unexpected God moments. The things that God has spoken that you can't define. The things that you can't put together. The things that you can't figure out. The things that you can't seem to work through. Worship uh, allows those things into your life. These three men are on a journey. And they finally arrive. Now what you have to understand, when kings traveled, they didn't travel alone. It wasn't three wise guys in a car. Or three wise men on one camel. They traveled in entourages. They had servants. Matter of fact, they would have servants that would go before them and set up the next camp. So when they arrived, the camp was already ready. They would have people that would lag behind them and take care of the former camp. They traveled in an entourage. So they arrive at a house, not just three kings, but an entourage with them. In a little neighborhood with a young family. Can you imagine the knock on the door? Mary thinks it's a FedEx man. Where there's three kings. And the Bible said when they arrived, they saw Mary and the child. And when they came into the house, something happened. They knew in a moment that they were in the presence of the king. Now watch. Not because of what they saw, because they saw a toddler in a common house with a young girl. No throne, no guards, no palace, just a child in a common house. And the Bible said something happened in a moment. They fell at the feet of this toddler. And they begin to worship. Now watch what happens. Because there's an entourage with them. And we understand that the custom of that day was the servant would never be in a higher position or elevated above the king or the master. So some commentaries tell us that as the wise men bow, those that were serving them tried to get lower than those that were being served. So as they were on their knees, look as hundreds of people are maybe laying prostrate on the ground and they are laying on their bellies below the kings that are bowing at the feet of Jesus. And at this little house, there's hundreds of people in worship, not seeing a king travel for three years and now arrive and they're worshiping a toddler. And when they worship, they begin to open their heart. You say, well, pastor, how do you know that? Because the Bible says where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And they begin to open up the treasury of their life and the first one opened up and broke open his treasury and he offered gold to the toddler because gold would declare you're a king. He would declare there's a kingly anointing on this child and a prophetic calling to reign and rule as a king. The next one would offer up frankincense as his treasure because frankincense, it was what signified he would not only be a king but he would be a priest and one day he would offer the ultimate sacrifice and the next one he would break open his gift and it was myrrh and it was a gift of humanity and saying he's not only going to be a king that rules and reigns and a priest that redeems but he's going to touch the brokenness of humanity and that can see as they begin to worship and God begins to rise in that moment where is the king 
We found him. We found him. Not what they thought. I, I heard a story not long ago. And it was about a missionary, Pastor Dell, that went to Asia Pacific years and years ago and he encountered an indigenous tribe and the whole tribe was one to Christ. The king was gloriously saved. And the king declared one day that this missionary would now be a part of this tribe. And they had a big ceremony and they brought out many gifts. Finally, the king would bring the last gift and as he came, it was a shell with a rope necklace. And he presented the shell to the missionary and the missionary thought, it's a beautiful gift, a beautiful shell. They put it over his neck. Didn't think much about it. He wore it around for weeks and every time he encountered someone and someone saw the shell, they would just bow their head for a moment and then they would go on. Finally, he asked, what's so special about this shell? It's beautiful, but what, what, what's the significance? He said, oh, you don't know? That shell is only found in one part of the island in a remote area. And to get to this area, you've got to cross mountains. To get to this area, you have to wade through a jungle. To get through this area, you have to even go over an area of the island that is covered in volcanic ash. You can only go alone. It's very, very dangerous. He said, the king went there to retrieve this for me? He said, yes. He said, it's a beautiful shell, but he didn't have to journey that far and that long for this shell. He said, oh, no, sir, you're missing it. The journey was the gift. The shell is just a representation of the journey. See, the gold was beautiful. The frankincense was nice. The myrrh was splendid. But the three years that they traveled looking at the signs and the word that God had spoken, the three years that they walked through fearful places, the three years they had to navigate through forces like Herod to get to this toddler and still keep a pure heart and still remain pure in their worship and ask the question, where is the king? The three years that they had to just keep traveling, not knowing where they were going to get three years that would culminate at a little house and when they got there what they saw was a little toddler but yet they would bow and they would declare here is the king the journey is part of your worship it's not just the gifts on display I'll tell you what the journey was it was that he left his throne in glory and he was deposited in the womb of a young girl and he made his way to Bethlehem and he walked the shores of Galilee and he picked up a cross on Calvary and he entered a grave but I'll tell you this it wasn't just a gift it was the journey and because he loved you and he loved me he said the journey is the gift but I've got a good word the manger could not contain him the shores of Galilee would not be the final destination the cross could not silence him and the grave could not defeat him where is the king he's in this building today where is the king He's reigning at City Life Church. Where is the king? Where is the king? He's at the very mention of his name. Come on, stand to your feet. Put your hands together and celebrate the king of all glory. Where is the king? Wise men and wise women, they worship 
And they look for the king even in an upside-down world. Where is the king? Where is the king? Where is the king? Watch what happens. Watch what happens. They're getting ready to leave. And an angel shows up. And this is what the angel says. Do not go back the way you came. I've got another route. Because if you go back the way you came, you're going to encounter Herod once again. But I'm going to take you another route, a better route. There's some of you, because you're getting ready to encounter the king, he's going to tell you about a better route in 2019. Not the route of 2018. Not the route where there were voices and fearful moments and heaviness and depression and defeat. He said, oh, no, no. Because when you encounter the presence of the king, it always opens a new path to a new season and a new word for a new day. Where is the king? If we've ever needed him to show up, it's in an upside down world, in an upside down season, in a dark place. Where is the king of glory? He's here today. He was at our East Lake campus. He was in our nine o'clock service. But here's the good news. If you're a child of God, he's not relegated to a building. Right here. Right here. He walks with me and he talks with me. He silences fear. He builds my faith. Where is the king? Wise men, wise women, they make a choice to worship. And in that choice, my perspective changes. I see that the king is high and lifted up. And his authority is filling the temple. I find out that he has the answer because he is the way, the truth, and the life. Maybe you walked in today and you walked in to worship, but not in worship. You walked in to worship, but not in worship. Here's the key. They were on a journey of worship. They worship right through Herod. They worship through the cold nights of the desert. They worship through the dark seasons of life. They worship through the fence and the gate of a little house that did not seem like much, but God was in it. They worship through situations. They worship through trials. But when you leave in worship and you come in worship, And every step of the journey, where is the king? Where is the king in my marriage? Where is the king in my finances? Where is the king with my children? Where is the king in my workplace? Where is the king? 
in the dark areas of my life, where is the king? He shows up. Father, I thank you today that the king is among us. I'm thankful, Father, that your presence has been poured into this room and into our life just like it has in past moments and it will be in future moments. Father, let us move to the edge of what you're saying and be gripped, Father, by a prophetic calling for more. Let us move past the voices of fear and the brokenness of yesterday and let faith rise and let us walk with expectation knowing that you are here. Knowing that you're here. Let our perspective shift in how we see others and see ourselves and ultimately see you be adjusted. Thank you again for joining us for today's broadcast. Our prayer is that it ministered to you and it changed your life. If there's anything we can pray with you about or God has used this ministry to touch you in any way, please send us an email at info at citylifechurch.cc. We want to invite you to be our guest at one of our Sunday or Wednesday worship experiences. You can find our times and locations on our website at citylifechurch.cc. You can also download our City Life Church app on your smartphones or tablets for more online messages. It was great having you with us today. We'll see you next time.